0: hear the word of God, would you, uh, invite you to open it on your phones and your Bibles from Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to read just the first portion and, and time allowing we'll read the last portion later. Daniel 7 beginning at verse 1. Note that that we have jumped in time again. Daniel had a very particular reason for structuring the different chapters the way that he did. And again, the whole purpose of that was to emphasize that God exalts the lowly and humbles the proud. But in the first year now of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, who we saw deposed from his throne in earlier in chapter 5. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay on his bed. And he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up a great sea and four great beasts came up out of the sea different from one another. The first was like a lion and had wings. Then I looked and its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke into pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the other beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. And I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were the eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. The very word of God. Now, thanks be to God. Wow, it's a little tough to thank God for this one, isn't it? I'm going, what in the world was that? Now, some of you have had a chance um, to look ahead and you've studied and, you're, and you start to see, oh my goodness, just like we always said, every word of God has meaning. There's not, there's not a description tossed in there. There's not a, really almost a, a serif or a jot or a tittle that is not important in God's word. Every single aspect of this is, is critically important. But, but it's overwhelming, isn't it? It is overwhelming to look at this. And I want to just uh, I just want to try and help you today to lay a foundation that will not only help you comprehend and understand these critical passages in the book of Daniel, which, as I said earlier, now start to affect our future as well as his, but also will lay a foundation for our study after Easter of the apocalyptic section of Revelation, Revelation from chapter four on. So, so wow, how do we comprehend this? Let's start today. Keep, keep the scriptures before you. Again, here's where we're a little bit impoverished if we're just looking on a phone. But you can divide the book of Daniel chapter 7 up into three major um, aspects here. Let me just kind of lay out some of that, and then we'll kind of unpack each of those aspects together. Today, by the way, is going to be a little bit of, of more instruction and teaching rather than than preaching and exhortation, because because there's so much content we're trying to wrap our brains around here. But if you look uh, Gen- Daniel chapter seven verse one through the section that we read through verse eight, is uh, is is a part of the vision that God gave Daniel. Now now up until this point, Daniel has been the interpreter of visions, right? He has been the interpreter of dreams for. For Nebuchadnezzar, for Belshazzar, right? But but now we see that that God is actually giving the vision to Daniel. And before, where Daniel noted that the kings were terrified. Remember all those amazing descriptions; their knees were knocking, right? When God gave them visions and they didn't understand it. Now Daniel's in that place; he's receiving the vision, and he ha- he is overwhelmed. He is unable to stand. He is, is completely washed out by the things that God gave him. So it's so, it's so beautiful that right in the middle then, he's, he's had this incredible vision of the future. Right in the middle, God gives him an anchor vision uh, to help sustain him through this, uh, these visions that he's receiving. He gives him a vision of the, the ancient of days. He gives him a vision of the living God sitting on his throne. This is the only time in all the Old Testament that we get a vision of the ancient of days like this. This is just incredible. We're used to it a little bit as New Testament people because there's several places in Revelation where we get a, a similar vision of the living God. But this is the only time in the Old Testament. It has it happens and Daniel is the only one to receive it. And he, and he gets this amazing uh, anthropomorphic vision of God who is spirit uh, sitting on his throne and, and the vision is accompanied accompanied by by um, incredible visions of fire remember that fire symbolizes the presence of God but also the purity of God and the judgment of God and so Daniel catches a vision right in the middle here of the living God then then he uh, He gets a vision for the very end. And lest he be overwhelmed by fear and terror, he gets a vision for what happens to the Antichrist. And then he gets a a vision here as well of the glory of the Lord Jesus. Look in verse 13. I saw in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven. There came one like, and this is, This is where the term comes from. This this sentence. There came one like a son of man. In other words, one in human flesh. but, But Daniel is setting apart now this particular person in human flesh. And you recall that Jesus constantly, using code language, referred to himself as this son of man. This is where he gets it. From this passage. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is saying, I am the one that Daniel foresaw. And the Son of Man came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him, the Son of Man was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. Away And his kingdom, this is important, his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. And then in the back half of Daniel, then Daniel crying out for understanding. It's like, like Proverbs 2, you know, if you search for it, if you cry aloud for understanding, then you'll discover the knowledge of God. Daniel crying out for understanding receives The interpretation of the vision that he has. So, three major segments: this uh, this vision of uh, of these beasts, and then a vision of the glory of God overcoming the power of evil and the beasts, and then a very specific interpretation of the the vision uh, given to him as well. Three major portions of Daniel chapter seven. Well, I want to invite you, if you're into this kind of thing, if you want to try and understand this, I'm going to say something um, that I believe is the secret and the key to all of the book of Daniel. Wow, how's that for being pompous? Um, uh, But there's there's a simple key that unlocks much of the confusion of the book of Daniel. And I'm going to say that for you in just a moment. But it would be helpful, I think, if... If you could see it. So if you're a kind of person that takes notes and you have room on on your bulletin there or on a piece of paper or a a notebook at home, I'd like to invite you to to make a little chart. Right. To make a little four by four chart, four rows deep and four columns across. And and uh, as we talk today, you're going to start to see how some of these pieces fit and then I'm going to invite you to look ahead a little bit so that um, in the future you can refer back to this chart and see how those pieces fit as well. So uh, at the top left box of your four by four chart, put nations, right? Moving one column over to the right, uh, put in that second column, Daniel chapter two. Daniel chapter two was the vision that God gave Nebuchadnezzar of the future, right? And Daniel interpreted for him. Move over one more column, if you would, and put Daniel 7. That's where we are today. And then move over one more column and put Daniel 8. We could add another column if we wanted, but um, uh, Daniel 11 and following. But um, we'll pick up those pieces in a future time together. Now, on on the left side, then, we are thinking about the different nations. So, um... Underneath nations, in the first row below that, put Babylon. Uh, Underneath Babylon put, and this is an awkward word, but Medo, M-E-D-O dash Persia. The kingdom of Medo-Persia, which was initially united and later overtaken by Persia. Underneath that put Greece, as in the country. um, Greece. Did we get through all four of ours? And then I probably needed to add another uh, row underneath that and to say, I'm going to call it right now just the fourth kingdom. It's tempting to put Rome in there, but I'm going to just call that the fourth kingdom, right? In Daniel chapter 2, we saw an amazing um, vision of a statue. Do you remember that? Uh, the statue with a head of gold. So one column over and right below Daniel 2, you'd write uh, gold, right? And and that statue that in uh, the vision that God gave Nebuchadnezzar also uh, showed a, a torso of bronze, right? Remember that, and then uh, legs in the in the row below that, legs of iron, right, and feet of iron and clay. And uh, and so now you have up to where we are in Daniel seven, but but now in daniel 7 god gives another vision and it looks like it's a completely unrelated version but here is the key to uh, not only daniel but as we'll see later to the book of revelation that um what god is doing here is is revealing unveiling which is what apocalyptic means unveiling truth and he's doing that through two things through um Repetition through saying the same thing over and over again. Repetition and through intensification. In other words, when he comes back to that story again, it intensifies. We've seen this many times. Holy, 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 right? Repetition and intensification. And now in the vision that God originally gave to Nebuchadnezzar, we're seeing the vision again intensified this time. The vision that God gave Daniel was a vision of of the four winds of heaven stirring up the sea. It's tempting to just think of the Mediterranean right here. But but throughout Scripture, especially in Revelation 17, in in, um, Isaiah 17 as well, we see that the sea is really the peoples of the Gentile nations, right? Right? God stirs up the peoples of the Gentile nations, people that aren't followers of God. And out of that sea comes, in Daniel's vision, a series of beasts, right? Of beasts. Now, we know beasts, don't we? When when Nebuchadnezzar exalted himself, God warned him, right? And then uh, gave him the mind of a beast, right? In Revelation, we're going to see uh, that return to that idea of beasts. And and a sub-theme in the book of Daniel is that when you exalt yourself, God will humble you and make you like the beasts. Just like he did for Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. The, the, the winds of heaven stir up the gentile nations and out of those gentile nations now come now we're in the third column over here now come uh, arise the first beast right and and the first in verse 4 of daniel 7 was like a lion that had eagle's wings right then i looked and its wings were plucked off and it was lifted from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man and the mind of a man was given to it if you have not been with us on our study of Daniel that might not be that meaningful if you have you'll recognize this to a direct allusion to the nation of babylon right in fact in in the british museum are symbols of babylon a winged lion right and what happened to this lion its wings were plucked, right? And it became like just a beast. And then it was allowed to stand up again on two feet and given the mind of a man again, right? Exactly what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. So so like we saw earlier, it's not hard sometimes to interpret these visions because um, God is doing everything possible to help us understand while cloaking in apocalyptic imagery the truth so that other people on the outside would not understand we don't have time to go into it but god oftentimes intentionally hides truth from people who are not prepared to hear it and or people who will take that truth and cause pain from that truth people that will cause followers of god to suffer so the first kingdom that we have in daniel is this Kingdom that refer in Daniel seven is this kingdom that refers to the um, the kingdom of Babylon. But he says after that, then a second one like a bear, right? And it's like a bear that has two legs, but was kind of raised up on one side, right? And it has in its teeth three ribs, and the imagery is is pointing us toward a kingdom that has conquered three other kingdoms. It seems to be divided or unbalanced, and and as we'll see next week in Daniel chapter eight, is a clear reference to the Medo-Persian Empire, two um, kingdoms that came together with the sole purpose of overcoming Babylon, but which were unbalanced. Persia was much stronger than than the kingdom of Media, and and so the the bear is un. Balance. Let me press pause for a second and say that that this imagery of nations as animals continues even to our day, right? Is there a symbol, an animal that symbolizes the United States for us? Um, Those of you here in the sanctuary, um, anything coming to mind? What animal symbolizes the United States? Eagle, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's not just the United States, by the way, Rome also had the symbol of the eagle, right? Um, Babylon had the wings uh, on the lion. How about in our, co- I'm, I'm pushing this a little bit, but if, if I just said uh, in our culture now, is there a, a nation that's symbolized by a bear? So, several people jumped on it right away and said Russia, right? And then, so, so this idea that, that animals symbolize kingdoms is, is common even in our day. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not in any sense of imagination saying that this bear is Russia. People have gone that direction. I'm not, I'm not, that's not what I understand this to be saying at all. I'm just pointing out that the same phenomenon happened back then that happens now. And so they understood, they understood this, this symbolism. Now keep in mind that this has not happened yet. This is the fifth year, uh, excuse me, the first year of Belshazzar. Belshazzar has not even been killed yet. Babylon is still reigning. God is giving Daniel truth about what is to come for his people. Truth that's to come within eight years of the vision. And it did happen. And it did play out exactly like he said, Medo-Persia conquered Babylon. But then in this vision now, He's looking way in the future. He's looking 200 years in the future, and there's this third beast that comes out of the sea of humanity, right? The sea of Gentiles, right? And it was like a leopard. Now, if you think about a leopard, what do you think about? I think about um, uh, uh, about uh, financial peace, right? Remember the gazelle in financial peace, and and the uh, was it was a leopard. It, uh, that chase the gazelles very fast. Very fast. They they believe that they could they could um, travel maybe upwards of 70 or 80 miles an hour. This is phenomenal. Phenomenal. There's this beast that comes up that has four heads and is very fast. Of course, Daniel had no idea what what this was, but we can look back on this and we can see this exactly, right? Uh, it, it just correlates completely with. The nation of Greece, and in particular, Alexander the Great. Right. In fact, and even in this in this um, uh, imagery here of, of Daniel chapter seven, it, it says this fourth this um, this leopard, four wings of a bird on its back, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Uh, and we'll see in, in Daniel chapter eight as well that it's called great. This kingdom is called. Great Alexander the Great, in about eight years, he conquers most of the known world from Egypt all the way to India. Just phenomenal, right? And then dies in Babylon. Alexander dies in Babylon and four heads, right? And four generals take over his, his territory. It's just phenomenal. Now, on the front side of this, Daniel would never have been able to articulate that. What I love about God's Word is that it it, um, it speaks to us truth, even truth that is not yet to be, right? Has not yet been. God is revealing His plan to His people. And then lastly, uh, out of the sea comes this fourth beast. I'm in verse 7. Terrifying, dreadful, and exceedingly strong. And, and notice that he does not use the imagery of an animal now for this beast. Um, he, he can't even describe it. It's like he's seeing something he has no frame of reference for. And, and I, I'm really tempted right there to, to jump and, and to think he was seeing some mechanized thing that he had no comparison to. When I, whenever I read this, I picture in Star Wars, that huge those huge machines with long legs that you know would conquer. He's trying to describe something that he has no frame of reference for, but it terrifies him. It has iron teeth, it devours and breaks into pieces everything it encounters and stamps what is left with its feet. And then he starts to lay a foundation that we'll explore in the rest of Daniel and also in the book of Revelation. That this beast was marked by ten horns. In other words, ten kings that would come from this beast. And we learn in Revelation, my mind's slipping, but I believe 17, that that this these ten kingdoms will come right before the Antichrist. So um, Daniel is given a vision. That not only encompasses the next couple hundred years of his life, but that encompasses our lives all the way until the Ancient of Days sits with the, um, the Son of Man, the Messiah Jesus, and pronounces judgment on the earth. Oh, my goodness, you guys. Now, this is all in, what, 12 verses? Yeah, but uh, nine verses, really, the history part of this is in nine verses, right? And, and Daniel is just simply overwhelmed, right? And so God gives him this, this peace. He gives him this, this vision that says, don't fear. God is still in control. Daniel, I know you're completely washed out. And those of you who look to the future of our immediate future here in the United States or globally even. And and you see and you God gives you a heart of wisdom and you can see that this is not going to turn out well. Right. Um, and, And you're tempted to fear. To us, as well as Daniel, he grants this vision of the living God and his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who overcomes even the most terrifying of futures, who overcomes even the greatest of all obstacles. Oh, my goodness. Uh, if you were like me, you cannot resist going into Revelation. I have to re- absolutely resist the temptation here. But in Revelation, we're going to have a chance to piece this, this initial picture together, in deeper ways, and 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 see how God has uniquely orchestrated time, how He has uniquely orchestrated both Chronos and Kairos to bless His people. I want to just ask you to look at something, and then I'm going to try and pull this all together for us here. I want to ask you to look toward the back now, and and the. Um, the interpretation is given to Daniel, right, and and especially Daniel says, "Help me understand this fourth beast, right? I, I I'm frightened by it. Help me understand it, and and." He's given, whether it's through an angel or through an elder or through one of the people that's worshiping at the throne of the ancient of days. He's given an interpretation that describes this little horn, that describes this this person at the end of time. I just want to invite you to anchor in your minds because throughout the balance of scripture, we're going to see God return to this person again and again. In Second in Thessalonians two, he's called the lawless one, and Paul devotes some time to this same little horn. in In Revelation, right, he he's called the beast, right, that that worships the dragon, Satan. In Revelation, especially now seventeen, but but there's an amazing parallel. To Revelation 13. The beast that Revelation 13. I told you I couldn't resist going into Revelation. Is described as one like a lion. A leopard. Right? Just exactly like these kingdoms. And finally in 1 John chapter 2. The same little horn is given the name. That you and I might recognize. The Antichrist. Right? So. So all of human history is pointing toward um, this amazing event, where um, the globe is taken over by one leader—a very intelligent leader, a very um, well-spoken leader, a very charismatic. We'll see that in Revelation—a charismatic leader that will that will cause most. To give in to him, right? Um, and and all the way back here in Daniel, uh, the gauntlet is thrown down. Don't do it, beloved. Don't settle for an imitation kingdom. In Daniel chapter 7, we're told, right, um, when, as he summarizes this, look in verse 18. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever and ever. You don't have to give in to the kingdoms of this world because you're going to get the kingdom, not by your own strength or wisdom or or conniving, but you're going to get it through the Son of Man who became flesh and who dwelt among us, who lived the life that we could not live and died the death that we deserve and broke the power of, of the evil one, of our own flesh, and of this world over us. It is worth waiting for. Fix your eyes, the author of Hebrews says, on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He alone is worthy of our worship. Do you understand, beloved? You're going to be forced into the same situation that Hananiah Mishael and Azariah were. You're going to be forced to choose whom you're going to serve. You're going to be forced one day. You know, the same situation Daniel found himself. Now, uh, to not not do something, right, that, that you're being forced to do, Daniel was faithful in praying, even when he was told not to. You're going to be forced, and you're going to be tempted to bow down To the kingdoms of this world. But just as we saw in verse 17 of Daniel chapter 7. Now look to the end of chapter 7 to verse 27. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high. Put your trust in the living God through the work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. Don't settle. Don't give in. Keep your eyes fixed on the grace that is before you, that is offered to you in Jesus Christ. I know this is overwhelming. And you're just hearing it second hand from me. Imagine, imagine what Daniel was feeling. He was overwhelmed. But I want you to risk putting your trust in the one who one day will judge even the Antichrist. Did you see what happened in the middle of that? He judged him and he was destroyed. So all the other kingdoms, all the other beasts, were absorbed in the kingdom that came after them. Babylon was absorbed in Medo-Persia. Medo-Persia was, was absorbed in Greece. Greece was absorbed in Rome. I'll, I'll just, if you're wondering where did that go, I, I'll just suggest to you, the best that I can understand, the kingdom of Rome, that that last section we're living in right now, we're still a part of the kingdoms of men. But we don't have to bow down to them. We need only bow down to Jesus Christ. We need only bow down to the ancient of days. And God will secure a future for us. Just a technical note. you got some more columns that will fill in next week. But, but um, it's going to intensify and it's going to narrow. Uh, Daniel chapter 8 is going to focus just on Medo-Persia and Greece. Daniel chapters 11 and 12 are just going to focus just on Greece, on, on the circumstances that were immediately before Daniel. But we're going to focus especially on this chapter, which gives us the schematic of the future. And then we're going to pick up a couple of very important pieces in Daniel chapter 9. Now, next week we'll look at Daniel chapter 8 because I, I want you to see the continuation of what's happening but um, God has already given you the whole picture. He gave it in nine verses, and then he came back and gave it in one verse. <laughs> you right. The saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. You have everything you need in Jesus Christ for life and love, for hope. And the future. So I invite you. Drink deep. In the coming days. Of God's word. And if you're like me. You'll find yourself going all over God's word. Because it's one story. All pointing to the same truth. The exaltation. Of the son of man. And all those. Who put their trust in him. pray with me would you. Oh, God, thank you so much for your word. We uh, are tempted, like our culture would encourage us to to salute it and and to um, just give temporary recognition to it. But, God, in your word is our future. In your word is our hope. And your word never fails to accomplish what it sets out to do. God, I pray right now that your word would search our hearts where we have been tempted, God, to trust our own provisions, our own kingdoms. God, I ask graciously, graciously, God, would you release our white-knuckled grip, our white-knuckled control of our own lives? Would you give us the courage to bow before the ancient of days? The courage... To put our trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. But then, then God, I pray that having given our lives to Jesus Christ, that you might, like you did with Nebuchadnezzar, allow us to stand. Give us minds and hearts, God, that can communicate the gospel to those who desperately need it around us. Father, your word paints a picture of destruction and pain and and our great desire, and I know your great desire is that none should perish but all that should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Show us, God, how we can impart that to our children. Show us how we can impart that to our neighbors and our co-workers. Show us, God, even if you send us to the uttermost parts of the earth, even if you send us to Tunisia, God, that that we can stand for the truth of your word. And you will control the outcome. So God, courageously, together, we approach your throne of grace. We ask for help in our time of need. We pray for courage and strength to face the future with joy, knowing that you hold the future in your hand. And we have nothing to fear. Because you are in control. And we love you, God. We dedicate ourselves to you.